Welcome to the Shaman Jessica podcast, where I share all about my work as a shaman. These episodes are purely based on my personal experience and opinions, and never a substitute for any medical advice. Let's begin our journey. Greetings, girl, and welcome. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today is gonna be one of my <laughs> favorite episodes, probably, because those of you that know me. know that I love to research you know all that is basically wrong with new age spirituality and uncover it and if you're around my age I'm 31 right now um, you have this understanding of you know spirituality spiritual practices that is very much informed by new age and we don't even know it because we don't know what it was like before then And there are so many influences that actually have quite nefarious origins that um, are very important to uncover because they are still very much being pushed by by mainstream media. Um, So this will be a very interesting episode for all of you Gabby Bernstein, the Gabrielle Bernstein and Oprah lovers. And you will find out that A Course in Miracles, which we're going to be deconstructing today, is actually um, a, let's say, pseudo-spiritual activity, philosophy, that if you have any spiritual sensibility whatsoever, you cannot take part in. Well, let's get straight into it. A Course in Miracles was written by... A few people, but mainly Helen Cohn Schuckman. She was a clinical psychologist. Then there is the co-author William Thetford. And then there is another co-author called Kenneth Wapnick. So we're going to talk a little bit about how the Courts and Miracles came into existence in the first place. And a little bit of background about the writers, of course, because... Research, research, research. I always tell you guys to research whatever it is that you're reading. And especially when it comes to spiritual practices that you are working with your consciousness with, it's critical to know what you're inviting in. You just start simply by Googling the makers of it. So Helen Cohn Schuchman, who was she? Well, who was her mother? Let's start there. Her mother was into theosophy the Theosophical Society. And this is if you're like a hardcore listener. And if you are, thank you guys. I love you. Know from a previous episode that the Theosophical Society and Theosophy is uh, based on Luciferianism. It's basically the same thing, but in a new, um, yeah, new jacket. And that is what they often do, especially with these, you know, newer spiritual teachers like Gabby Bernstein. They like to reuse uh, Luciferianism in many ways and just uh, put a new like hip fresh young face on it. So Helen Cohn Schuchman was a clinical psychologist. The co-author William Thetford, he is quite an interesting character. He was a research psychologist. He then le- was the lead psychologist for the US government which is quite interesting. He made a very uh, unrealistic jump from being, you know, a research psychologist at some institution uh, 
and then went on to be the lead psychologist for the U.S. government. And he went on to consult at the Foreign Service Institute in Lebanon. Well, if you are a little bit experienced with research and especially some like shadow work research when it comes to the governments and how they like to work with and especially manipulate consciousness, then this should raise a big red flag. He uh, worked at the government's training institution for the NSA. So this is what basically the Foreign Service Institute does. It's a training institution for NSA, CIA, etc. And he was the lead there, okay? He was the head uh, to advance U.S. interests overseas and in the USA. Well, if you're not familiar with MKUltra or with the Tavistock Institute, please pause this episode and Google them. This is not some conspiracy theory bullshit. This is just disclosed facts. Um, Super quick synopsis. Um, There are many, many people throughout ancient history that know how consciousness works. They understand our own psychology better than we do. And they have used it basically for power, for control, you know, these very like dark human tendencies. And this just keeps evolving in different forms throughout all of the centuries, right? So also in the 20th century and now the 21st. And actually in the Nazi era, they were working with this a lot. A lot of people don't know this, but Hitler was super into spirituality, um, theosophy, which we just mentioned. Uh, he had the book of theosophy like on his nightstand. He used to consult astrologers. He worked with the Vril Society, which was like a channeling society. He had this castle, Wabelsberg in Germany, where I've actually been. <laughs> I visited there. Uh, where they would do like black sun worship, sacrifice, all of that stuff. And this is also just facts that you can research by yourself. Anyway, through Project Paperclip, that's also a good research term if you're interested in this. Um, A lot of these head Nazi scientists that were doing a lot of experiments with consciousness and um, different levels of consciousness, so what we understand to be spirituality but in a dark way, brought those scientists uh, to the U.S. A lot of ended up working at NASA. Um, Those agencies, those three-letter agencies like CIA, FBI, etc., where they went on to pursue the same type of research and experiments under Project MKUltra. Um, So there's monarch mind control There's a lot of experiments that have been done to see how far they can go by splitting personalities. So the type of soul fragmentation um, that I see in my journeys, this isn't something that happens as an effect of trauma. And these people know exactly how this works and they know how to do it, how to inflict it purposefully and how to then program those different soul fragments to basically act uh, without the other soul fragments knowing which leads to multiple personality disorder, what we know as schizophrenia. And this can make for very efficient uh, people to use in government operations. And um, yeah, this is some very dark stuff. But this is what happens when you use basically the same tools that I use as a shaman, but you use them for the bad and then on an institutional level. And then onto the masses, which they 
went on doing in MK Ultra, so through the media, so just with new technology, and then through the Tavistock Institute. Again, all facts, all things that you can just research by yourself. So just that you have a bit of a frame of reference for this, if this is totally new to you, you might be experiencing some like cognitive dissonance, but that's good, that's growth, like do your own research. And if you do, you'll understand this episode better too. Um, well, Mr. William Thetford, he worked at the Foreign Institute, Foreign Service Institute in Lebanon, right? As a research psychologist. psychologist. So if you're the lead psychologist for a government training institution, uh, you know, advancing U.S. interests overseas, sounds very dodgy, like major red flags there. And it's very likely uh, MKUltra mind control. Well, he later went on to run the Institute of a Living Psychiatric Facility, they call it, in Connecticut, which was a retreat for the insane. It was also a retreat center for Catholic priests who engaged in pedophilic, pedophilic pedophile activity for them to avoid discovery and prosecution. Also facts. So this is the co-author of A Course in Miracles, right? And he was at this point still connected to the army, the navy, the air command, the army medical group. So very high level of government. And the navy is always, um, and the army as well, come up around MKUltra. A lot of these experiments are being done on military basis. Um, so they basically learn and teach MKUltra. That's where like the psychology aspect comes in, in the author's background. And it meets tech, right? And these facilities. And then, yeah, sure, let's also throw some uh, Catholic pedophile priests in the mix. Why not? So he was actively protecting pedophiles. Um, he was also conducting involuntary electroshock therapy then. Thetford was a professional mind controller and a pedophile supporter protector. That's what we know. Those are the facts. This is what he was doing. That was his career. Quite a career. Well, how were um, Helen... And William, so Helen Shuckman, the clinical psychologist, and William Thetford, introduced to each other. Also an interesting story. Uh, they were introduced to each other by a priest and a professor of psychology. Um, his name was Benefict Joseph Grusher. This is my nice German accent. Um, he worked at a Jesuit college. The Jesuits, when you go further back in history, are usually involved when it comes to you know mind control consciousness practices because these practices are very very ancient they go back to the Essenes the ancient shamans and this knowledge has been carried over and you know protected ending up in uh, institutions like the Tavistock Institute and one of those organizations that has been have been like the keepers of that knowledge are the Jesuits so that's also like an interesting red flag uh, when you're doing research. Well, doesn't mean that if you went to a Jesuit college, there are so many that there's anything wrong with you. It's just that, you know, if you're like a lead professor there, 
and you're doing other um, shady stuff, it's, it's just another um, interesting research fact. Well, he was also friends with Mother Teresa, who we now know has been heavily linked to human trafficking and sex trafficking as well. So interesting circles. He was also called the chaplain, not sure what that is, but for a children's village. So basically ran protected a children's village, which was a facility for mentally, emotionally disturbed children in New York. So access to children and also St. Francis House, which was a safe haven for young men. And then he was also running the good council homes for women and children in New York. So he was housing, quote unquote, protecting, keeping uh, very vulnerable members of society. Um, since 1973, this guy, Gröschel, was the director of the Archdiocese of New York. This is so annoying about doing research that when you don't know what all of, the, all of these terms are, it's just going to all become just this whole pile of facts and mumbo-jumbo. But just know that this guy was also the defender of the priesthood in New York. And he was later on, so almost 30 years later on, in 2000, named in sexual abuse cases. This is where it gets even more interesting. He said to the media, in the defense of these other pedophile priests, that, quote-unquote, they are among the most penitent people I've met in my life. So basically saying that these pedophiles are among the most like respectable, uh, respectable and devoted people that he's ever met. And sit down for this one. He said, quote-unquote, in defense of these pedophiles, suppose you have a man having a nervous breakdown and a youngster comes after him. A lot of cases, the youngster, 14, 16, 18, is the seducer. What? He said that in the media. And what I also, what really pisses me off is that these sick people will then throw in some like arbitrary numbers, like 14, 16, 18, to kind of downplay, because we know that this these are ages when some people, if they're like early, are sexually active. There is no proof at all that these children that they abused were uh, from 14 years old. We know that in most cases they are a lot younger and they just throw in these arbitrary numbers to basically control you, condition you and normalize pedophilia. Uh, even though it's pretty blatant in this case. Well, we know that people who engage in this type of activity are possessed to their eyeballs, basically. And that is the vibration of cons consciousness that they lock into these practices energetically. Just taking a sip of water here. So... This is the guy that introduced the two. And yeah, these were the circles they ran and this is what they did. When you research, you know, the relationship, the link between spirituality used for the dark, like the dark occult, in relation to human trafficking, pedophilia, and the government, all of these things will come up always. MKUltra, 
the Navy, the FBI, the CIA, the Jesuits, secret societies, etc. And a lot of these goodwill type of um, institutions, like, um, what's it called? Like, the Salvation Army was started by William Booth, who was also trained by the Jesuits, was also into the dark occult. And it just gives access to a lot of uh, very underprivileged, uh, fragile people that are often not uh, socially traceable either. It's They have their own little sick, perfect system. And this, you can also relate to, for example, the case of that British radio creep, Jimmy Savile, who also hung around with governments and the royal, what, what do they call themselves? Like the royals, the British royals. And he was like the keeper of all of these children's hospitals, right? And now they know that that was how he accessed the hundreds, thousands of children that he abused. And also their morgue, because he was also a necrophiliac. So that is how they operate. Well, back to Shukman. She is not like very literally implicated at this point. How does she write a Course in Miracles, she channeled it. So she wrote it in her dreams, where Jesus spoke to her in her dreams, and then basically started to take over her life. Now, if a really high and aligned spirit will visit you, they don't hang around and they definitely don't take over your life, okay? That's not what they're there to do. So her mind was probably jello at this point because they met in this mental hospital, um, and, you know, this A Course in Miracles material is very likely uh, channeled through possession, definitely channeling dark spirits, which is almost common practice. So this is how, through the mind control of one person, they can channel material to mind control masses, right? That is what they try to do with these spiritual practices. And they use these covers of, you know, we have all of these institutions taking care of people, especially children. We're into education. We just throw the name of Jesus on there so that people think that it's really special and very aligned. Okay, so this is some facts about the background of the creators of A Course in Miracles. Now, what's in A Course in Miracles? Part one, just remember that with these you know, new agey practices, what they do is they pack in a lot of truths to make it digestible, appealing, but where it matters most, they start to turn things upside down. So you are very far along in the book or the tape or whatever you use. And when you come to a certain critical aspect of the practice, they will start to invert um, basically true truth. So they weave in a lot of truths and positivity to make it feel constructive and helpful and inspiring and basically to get you in. But ultimately the practice will corrupt your spirituality from the inside out like a Trojan horse. Well, according to the authors, A Course in Miracles really resembles New Age teachings. And the textbook presents a thought system about truth and illusion on two levels, is what they say. Okay, a thought system about truth and illusion on two levels. Okay, whatever, let's proceed. 
They say that the fundamental error is to think that you are an individual. Because God had only one son, the son is us, collectively. Okay, let's stop there. What? You know, this is some pseudo-spiritual mumbo-jumbo that if you really think about it from your own critical consciousness, your own perspective, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't to me. And this is really what bothers me is people will just accept this sort of quasi-spiritual doctrine. And this is really the Belial, like negative entities that I see in my work. They love the concept of assimilation. So you are just assimilated into this, you know, black mess of consciousness that they can feed off of, that you're not unique, you're not autonomous. This, this leads you to possession and entity attachment. What the guides love, what spirit actually loves is uniqueness, okay? Individuality, sovereignty, critical thinking, taking action. That is what the guides actually love, okay? Not trying to get you to think that you are an individual uh, and that that is an illusion, that you're wrong thinking that. Really try to accept the fact, which I feel like people who find themselves spiritual have issues with is that you were put in this body in this time space in this lifetime for a reason we are on a level all whole and all one but we are here to experience that fragmentation and remember that oneness but the way that we practice it is through our individuality and our true self-expression and our sovereignty okay then they go on to say this results in the sin guilt fear cycle and we are all evil okay that sounds fun then they go on to say happiness cannot be found in this earth space life what and then they go on to say in the end but don't commit suicide okay this is covered by a lot of fluff but They basically say, you know, you're not unique, you're not an individual, Uh, you were born a sinner, wrong, bad, inherently, so your life is an inevitable cycle of sin, guilt, and fear, and we're ultimately all evil. And happiness cannot be found in this lifetime. But you have to endure it, don't commit suicide. That is the conclusion of A Course in Miracles. Congratulations. It also has... 365 lessons, one for each day, to quote-unquote condition the student's mind. It's made to be mind control and they tell you, they disclose you. Because in these dark occult practices, they have to disclose because they get extra power from disclosing. And they also have these, uh, these rules that they uphold because they think that they're actually being righteous Um, and have the right to control others because they inform them through symbolism or actual words. And if people then go along with it anyway, then that is a spiritual contract that you allow uh, yourself to be controlled and your sovereignty to be breached. 
Then there's also the manual for teachers, which aims to motivate the reader to become a teacher of God, to let go of all individuality and to be taken over by the same voice as Shuckman, which I think we can all be pretty sure was not the actual voice of Jesus. So again, this assimilation, what the Belial love, you know, these dark entities, you just being part of this big homogenized feed. And then they go on to also promote psychotherapy. Well, the other co-author that I briefly mentioned in the beginning of the episode, and he was also a teacher of A Course in Miracles, is Kenneth Wapnick. And he said that A Course in Miracles was demonically inspired. So again, they have to disclose. Well, I think that's enough about A Course in Miracles. I hope that you (laughs) found it helpful. And... You know, it's almost like these people, these organizations, these movements, their level of crazy and darkness is their protection. Because when you say that you come across someone and they say, oh, yeah, I'm like now reading A Course in Miracles. And you say, oh, did you know that that was based on uh, demonic uh, channeling and Luciferianism and that the writers were mostly pedophiles, then they're going to look at you like, oh, you're some crazy conspiracy theorist. But this is all facts that you can find on the internet. So what do you do if you uh, practiced it, if you read it, if you follow people like uh, Gabrielle Bernstein, who have a big following, a lot of influence, um, who base all of their stuff on A Course in Miracles, which they say openly. Well, just throw it out. Throw out the book. If you recommended it to anyone, just, you know, maybe contact them. And, um, you know, information, knowledge is power. So keep your head on straight. Be discerning. Um, And I hope that maybe this is an invitation for you to really accept that as good as your intentions are, as our intentions are, and as eager as we are to want to grow and ascend, there are movements out there trying to basically um, co-opt and uh, breach your sovereignty and control you. This is just straight up mind control and especially in the new age movement it's just a basically a big mind control psychological operation and the tavistock institute is also behind pushing a lot of you know all of that hippie movement stuff like lsd which basically leads to possession it was something that was was used in mk ultra mind control most of that music is programmed um, which has energetic contracts behind it too It's all about, you know, controlling the masses. And by the way, let's talk about Oprah for one second. She is a master in pushing all of these corrupt spiritual leaders. Just Google Oprah corrupt spiritual leader and what will pop up is this uh, South American spiritual leader that she really propagated to everyone who ended up having some kind of sex ring. Uh, her schools in Africa 
um, are very heavily implicated in human trafficking. There was also things like backpack with a, with a dead baby inside found in the school. You know, I went to a couple of bad schools and that didn't happen in my school, let me tell you. I mean, that's just one detail, but there is a very big push, a very big agenda uh, to keep you from your own power and to keep you from your own sovereignty. That is ultimately what it does. Because if you accept that you are, according to this teaching, quote-unquote, powerless, you're not unique, you're not an individual, and don't even look for happiness in this life because it cannot be found here. You're just here to experience this sin, guilt, fear cycle, whatever. Well, I think for a lot of people, first, it's going to be a relief because life is really hard. They're going to think, oh, okay, well, that's what I thought, you know? Why is life so hard? I might as well just live this type of hedonistic lifestyle, enjoy myself, my fate is set, I, don't, I do not need to take responsibility or take action or protect my sovereignty. It leaves you like the ideal weak martyr to other people who you give your power away to unconsciously and unwillingly just because people say that it came from Jesus. And I hope that those people's backgrounds will help convince you that it's probably not. So, you know, this is a whole thought system in itself, which is really the basis of Luciferianism. It's more relativism. It's just we do whatever we want. Life is pointless. Um, we're just here to have instant gratification and power. If you're interested in this philosophy, then go back to my podcast episode about Luciferianism and Satanism. Um, but this was it for today about A Course in Miracles. Um, bunch of bullshit. And I hope that you have a beautiful, beautiful day. And talk to you guys soon. Bye. Oh, I want to give a shout out before I forget. I actually started researching this because a client way back told me that he was studying A Course in Miracles. And I told him, like, please don't, because I know that it has some very dark origins. And I had researched it years ago, and I couldn't really reproduce what was wrong with it. I can now. So I started diving into it again. And there's this guy, Jeff Doherty, who uh, made a very good synopsis of it as well on YouTube, who I want to give a shout out to. All right. Bye, you guys. Stay safe. Bye.